It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmelk with you. Today we preview the Giants matchup with the Denver Broncos. Leading up to each and every game this year, my goal is to give you the best possible preview of that week's matchup. So every week, I will talk to a Giants player. Bob Papa will talk to Giants head coach Joe Judge. And Lance Meadow or Paul Dettino, or both of them together, will talk to a beat reporter covering the opposing team. This week, I talked to Giants cornerback James Bradbury. Bob Papa has Joe Judge. And Lance Meadow talks to Denver Post Broncos beat reporter Ryan O'Halloran. Let's start with Giants Pro Bowl cornerback James Bradbury. I talk about the Denver Broncos, but at first I talk about the Giants' secondary, the defense as a whole, and the way he succeeds at cornerback. Here's my interview with James. James, thanks for being with us, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. All right, let's talk about it here. Giants now heading into the season opener. You've kind of gotten a feel for what your group is on defense since you guys reported and started doing stuff in the offseason in April and May. What's your feel for your group? Um, I'm excited to get out there on the field and actually go out there and go against somebody other than our team um, and also have the game actually mean something. Um, I know on paper, like, we look really, really good. And, of course, during practice, we look pretty good. So um, you just got to go out there, continue to um, execute on a daily basis, um, and then on Sunday make the most of your opportunities when they come. What are the things that you can't see, whether it's in practice, a preseason game, or even a competitive practice, that you can see – once you're in a real deal regular season game one? Actually, you can see a lot more during practice and watching film. Uh, we actually get to the game. Things are happening so much uh, faster at a faster rate. And um, you also have the fans. Uh, just having the fans around cheering and whatnot, it could either aid the defense or affect the defense as far as communicating and stuff. But, uh, of course, having the fans there, they affect the offense more than the defense because the offense is hard for them to get their signals in and also communicate. So that's one thing I'm excited about as well. Uh, but it's kind of hard to tell what you can see and can't see because it's, it's game day, everything's live, and everything's happening so fast. No, of course. Uh, the, the good thing, though, is that your group, James, for the most part, except for a couple new pieces, and we'll talk about them, you're returning your group from last year for the mm-hmm. most part, right? So Patrick Graham talked a little bit earlier this week when he spoke to the media about how he's able to do a little bit more scheme-wise this year because he has the larger group back for a second year, full offseason, all that stuff. Do you sense that as you've gone through this offseason as you get ready for week one? Oh, yeah, for sure. I know last year was our first year altogether, so it was hard. And then we had COVID that had affected us, affected us in OTAs and whatnot. So our first time actually getting together as a group was doing training camp. Um, so it's definitely hard to put your whole scheme um, and put it, like, install it to the defense and for us to comprehend it all for the whole season uh, when you don't have that much time together. But since we have a year under our belt, uh, we we'll just want to continue on that chemistry, that camaraderie, and hopefully just keep um, rising and taking off. How much different is the comfort level in what you're trying to do? And I know things change every week with your system. It's never mm-hmm. the same thing each week. But how much easier and how much more natural is it going to be for you guys to make those adjustments each week, just having such a better, un- better understanding of the fundamentals that encompass everything it is that you do? Uh, I don't think it'll be easier. I know our task is like, at the end of the day, it's going to be tough because playing, playing NFL is tough. But I know um, – just listening to the calls, actually hearing the same calls you actually been hearing for the past year, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable when you're on the field because you've been running it so long. It's like less thinking, right? More less reacting. thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
because you, you rep it so much throughout the week, uh, you just let your mental reps take over when you get in the game. You don't have to think as much. Um, so you're definitely more comfortable with it now that I have a year under my belt. And I'm more comfortable with the players that I'm around. Um, I kind of know how, how they're going to play, who's all aggressive, who's all kind of conservative in this situation. Uh, so I have a more comfortable feeling being around those guys as well. I want to talk to you about that relationship a little bit. What is it like working with your group of safeties? I've been here with the Giants in 2007. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've been around such a large group that is just so into the film watching, understand exactly what the other team's going to do, anticipation. What is it like for you, another guy who's a student of the game, mm-hmm. working in tandem with those safeties each week so you know exactly what you're doing and you can really try to throw some curveballs into what the opposing offenses are trying to do? Yeah, so our, our safeties, they do a good job of disguising. Uh, so sometimes during a play, um, I might not know exactly what I'm doing, you know, because uh, I didn't necessarily get the call and everything's been like sure. rushed up. The offense is rushing um, – rushing their cadence and stuff. So I'm actually looking at the safeties, and I can just see how they're moving, like, based on, like, what, what we're in. And I kind of move and get to my position without even, like, without even communicating. I feel like that's, what, that's the point the point that we're getting to. Like, we're able to communicate without actually talking. You know, we communicate with uh, our verbal, like, our, um, our body language or whatnot. So I'm definitely getting more comfortable with those guys. And then, like, Logan, he's our leader of our group. He does a lot of the communicating. Uh, so anytime I have Logan on my side, I'm always looking to see what he has he has to say, if there's going to be a check or whatnot. And then Zay, uh, Xavier McKinnon, he's like our young buck. Um, he's still learning the system, but, you know, he's flying around all over the field. I know he's an aggressive player. And you got Julian Love. They call him duct tape. So and no, there's no telling where he'll be at on the field. He can line up at corner. He can line up at nickel. He can line up at safety. So I always have to ask him when he gets in the game, what position are you at? And then you got Pep. I just know Pep. He's our enforcer. So most of the time he's going to be in the box doing some, <laughs> doing some dirty work. Tell me about the art of the disguise. Because I remember there were a couple of plays last year where I think it was the Washington game where you ended up lining up inside on a play mm-hmm. and you ended up getting an interception on that. How do you guys during the week figure out, without giving away trade secrets, obviously, sure. for depending on the opponent, how you're going to disguise things where you think, for even against some of these veteran quarterbacks, like Russell Wilson last year, he didn't look like he knew what you guys were doing against him last year mm-hmm. when you played him. It looked like he was hesitating. He's been doing this forever, right? That's hard to do. So how do you guys go about doing that, figuring out how you can disguise things to try to slow down the opposing offense? Uh, I think it starts early in the week when we get our, um, like, our call list from our coordinator. You know, he tells us all the calls for the week, and then as soon as we get the calls, I know they go right into the film study on how they're going to disguise this week and how they're going to disguise certain looks and whatnot. Uh, Most of it is on, on them. And then the corners, like we're on the outside, and then when you're a quarterback, I think most of the time you, you check the safeties in the nickel to kind of see, like um, you try to anticipate what covers win. Trying to figure out who's in the box, who's going to be deep, all that stuff. Based off mm-hmm. of like where they're at, that's how they can kind of sure. di- uh, digest uh, what covers that we're in. But they're not most of the time they're not looking at the corners. Uh, so really, I, I base my disguise off what the safeties do. So if they're showing a certain look, I try to like be. And same in sequence with them, right? So I keep that disguise going. Uh, so they really do a lot of the, a lot of the work on the front end, and I just come in on the back end and kind of put my two cents in. And what show is how I'm a disguise? What has it been like working with the Dory? Uh, it's been real cool. You know, he's a laid back guy, very very funny. I didn't realize how funny he was. <laughs> um, he actually makes the room like more relaxed because he's a he's a he's a fun guy. You mm-hmm. know, he's always laughing, always smiling. So I've I've enjoyed working with him. Um, it's been fun for me. How much does he open up more windows for stuff you can do? Patrick Graham, for example, I remember when he first got here, he goes, yeah, you know, ideal world, third down, you know, maybe you want to try to do a little bit more in man-to-man. You force more incomplete passes. You put some more pressure on opposing receivers. 
does having a Dory here, and you know, last year the guys did the best they could, but you had four or five different guys across him all year. It was it was a tough situation. Mm-hmm. Now you have a Dory there, and you hope that he can clamp down that side. Does it open up just a lot of different avenues of ways you can attack opposing offenses, knowing he's going to be there across from you? Oh yeah, definitely. I know for me how it affects me. I know when we play, um, yeah, please. When we play a team that they have a big guy and then they have a smaller, quicker guy, we can kind of match up better, and it kind of uh, fits our traits. Uh, so that's how it kind of affects me. Him being a fast, fast guy, I don't really have to worry about the the speedsters that we go against. So that's always a good thing for me. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into the matchup this week because the Broncos, every shape, size, type receiver, they're rolling everyone out there, right? Mm-hmm. They got Sutton and Patrick, six four plus, big bodied guys. KJ Hamler is the little little guy who runs sprint, you know, sprinter speed. Mm-hmm. Then you know Jerry Judy who's kind of in between a great rat runner. Can you just kind of give me a thumbnail on their wide receiving core and, and as a cornerback when you watch them, what you see and why they make your life difficult? Yeah, I would put a uh, Sutton and Patrick into the same uh, bucket. You know, big physical receivers. Uh, they use their body uh, to catch the ball and kind of get an advantage on the corners. Uh, they use their body really well. Have huge uh, catch radius with having long arms and stuff. Um, and then you got Jerry Judy. Um, I kind of say I kind of think he's like an all-around type of guy. A great route runner. Uh, great quickness. Uh, also has some speed as well. And then KJ Hamler, like you said, he's a speed. He's a speed threat. Uh, when anytime you line up in front of him, you got to be alert of a shot or, or explosive play waiting to happen. So how'd you guys get ready for this offense? Because you can watch Pat Shermer from last year, right? Mm-hmm. With Denver, but they drew Locke. So, for example, they did almost everything out of shotgun last year because that's what Drew Locke knew from college. Mm-hmm. Now you have Teddy Bridgewater come in. He's done more under center stuff in the league. He was with Carolina last year. So how do you guys balance their scheme with what Teddy does well and trying to figure out what they're going to do against you in week one? Yeah, it's definitely tough because it's week one. It's early on in the season, and um, you don't really know what to expect. You kind of you can kind of assume based off the history of the coach and the history off of the uh, sure. offensive coordinator. But like you said, you got to go back and watch film on Teddy Bridgewater whenever he was starting. That was last year he was with the Panthers, so you watched mm-hmm. some film when he was with the Panthers. Uh, and you also look at the history of the uh, the offensive coordinator, which is uh, Sherman, right? So you look at his history and where he played. Like he played with the Giants. He was a coach with the Giants a few years back. Mm-hmm. So you look at his offense a little bit. And he had Teddy with in Minnesota, right? Did you yeah. did, did you go back that far even? I don't think we went back <laughs> back that far. Uh, but we went back to to the Panthers. Yeah. Um. So you just go back in the history of those guys and kind of check the their history and also look at the present, the preseason and whatnot, and kind of build a comprehensive, I guess, anal- uh, what do you call it? Um, analysis. Analysis of mm-hmm. what they might do. Did you make a phone call to maybe a couple of your buddies out of South Carolina that practice against them a little bit, get a couple tips? Man, you just gave me an idea. I didn't even think about doing it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I should say, I'm like, yeah. you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I just thought, you know, I didn't think about doing that just now. I appreciate that. No, no problem. Man. I might Can't do hurt, that. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I want to talk to you about how you've kind of taken a leadership role in the cornerback. You mentioned how Logan's the leader of your group. Mm-hmm. But last, you know, you're the veteran presence at corner. And I know you guys are together, but in some ways you're separate too. What's your leadership style? Because you seem like a very analytical guy, a smart guy, but maybe a little bit more soft-spoken. So what's your leadership style when you try to kind of bring that group along together? Uh, well, first, I try to lead by example, just mm-hmm. doing the right thing and um, just making sure I'm always on my P's and Q's. Like in the meeting rooms, I try to always be alert, try to always be um, be uh, proactive um, in, in watching film and also taking care of my body. And I feel like the young guys, they watch me when I do that stuff. Sure. Uh, so they kind of, some might follow along, some might watch and just 
put like a note in their in their uh, memory bank for later down like down the road. They might not necessarily use it now, but I know eventually they might use it because that's what I did when I was a young guy. I looked at all the vets. I kind of just watched them. I might not necessarily like did exactly what they did, but I kind of you know I learned it. And then whenever I needed to use it, I used it. Um, but like you said, I'm soft spoken, so I don't really do a whole lot of talking. I'm more of a, like a one-on-one guy. So if I see something, I might pull you to the side and talk to you. You know, whether it's good or bad. You know, I'm not gonna always be negative. I'm gonna try to be positive as well sure. too. I want to bounce back real quick to the receivers. How do you handle differently in your approach to dealing with a big guy, to dealing with a guy more like Judy, who's kind of more that all-around guy, to a guy like Hamler? Which of the guys you like to put your hands on? Is it really dependent on the type of player? You know, even specifically, even if they're a smaller guy, how they play? Is it based on the scheme you're, you're running at that particular time? How does your approach change depending on the body type and type of receiver you're playing against? Uh, so starting off with the body type, I try to get my hands on on whether he's big or small. Um, but I'm also aware, like, bigger guys, like, we have big guys in this league because they catch the 50-50 ball well. Sure. So nine routes, fade routes. Honestly, I try to take that away, you know. Um, but, of course, like, I try to get my hands on at all times. And then how I play them is based off, like, the situation in the game. You know, you don't play first and second down the same way that you would play third down. Sure. Um and you also don't play first, second down, third down the same way you might play two minutes at the end of the game. So it's, ba- it's all based off the situation in the game, how my uh, tenant could play them. But as far as like trying to be physical, I'm always trying to be physical with both both type of style of receivers. All right, I got a couple more for you. One thing I think you're really good at, James, I know a lot of corners struggle with. And really, I think it makes a difference a lot between the good corners and the great corners. When the ball's in the air, you usually get your head around, you make a play on the ball. Or if you don't get your head around, you're able to – sense when the ball's coming, make a play on it, but not hit the receiver early and get the flag. It's a really tough thing to do. So what's your approach to playing the ball, preventing the catch, but not committing that defensive pass interference penalty? Because I do feel like that's kind of the trick for corners, right, in terms of finishing those plays. Your coverage can be great. If you don't finish it right, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tough thing to do. And I don't really know how I train myself to do it. You know, I just work on it doing practice with my coach. Uh, but also, like, in the game, I just try to calm myself, like, when I'm when I'm out of phase and I know the ball is coming because you can kind of tell based off their body language when the ball is coming. You watch their eyes, you watch their hands. What do you watch? It's kind of like you're looking at their eyes slash head mm-hmm. and their shoulders. Like, if a, if a guy's shoulder open, you know, uh, that typically means the ball is going to be late and – that's usually when guys, like, they keep the eyes on the receiver and they run through them and they get the P.I., but you kind of want to, like, turn around and look for the ball. Uh, but if a guy's shoulder is still square and he's running down the field, that means the ball is probably going to be a- ahead of him. So you want to keep running and keep your eyes on the receiver. Uh, that's how you coach it. Now, it's definitely harder to do. Sure, yeah. man. It's, these are, like, split-second <laughs> decisions, right? It's a split-second right? decision. So uh, you just got to rep it and, um, I guess, just watch film, you know? Nah, man, that's amazing. Yeah. I think it's a real tough thing to do. <laughs> All tough. right, I, you've talked about a couple of these guys already, but you guys voted Blake, Jabril, and Logan your defensive captains. Mm-hmm. Why were they the right leaders for this defense this year? Um, I think, first of all, it just goes about like how, how they go about their day um, as pros. You know, they, they handle their business on and off the field, um, in the locker room, in the field, like when we're in the meetings. Um, and then they're also vocal leaders as well, you know. Um, I know you hear Logan a lot. He's always breaking down our huddle. You know, he always has a um, – some good advice to give us right before the game or after practice. And uh, same way with Blake as well. You know, the middle linebacker, middle linebacker is, is definitely the leader of our group. Uh, well, you want him to be the leader of your group because he's the one making all the checks and calls. So typically, the, every team I've been on this house has always worked, and I've always played with good linebackers. So 
There it goes with that one. And Jabril Peppers, um, I feel like he's our – he's like the heart of the defense, you know. Uh, he brings, like, that intensity, um, just that toughness that we need to play with. I think he brings that and he exemplifies that, so that's why he was one of our captains. People like me that cover the team and fans, more importantly, haven't seen your offense altogether yet on the field. Mm-hmm. You have, as you've been practicing against them for a couple weeks with these guys back. What does it look like with all these guys back, Saquon, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, all those guys on the practice field together? Does it give the offense a whole different vibe to it? Uh, when you look at them, it definitely gives a whole a different vibe to them, you know. And, of course, like I said on paper, like we look really good on offense and defense, you know, just about us going out there and executing and also staying healthy, you know. That's just um, that's one of the things about football. Um, it's a long season, and, of course, you want to stay healthy. Not everyone stays healthy, and uh, that plays a part into being a good team is, is health. Final question. We had Joe Judge in here doing his radio interview, and he talked about how he had some first responders come and talk to the team this year about the anniversary of 9-11. It'll also be the first time you're in front of Giant fans for a real game. Just talk about those two things heading into week one and, and kind of what it means to you to finally be able to get out there and what's going to be what's a normal NFL weekend with obviously the emotion of the 20th anniversary of mm-hmm. 9-11 kind of on top of that. So first of all, being in front of fans for the first time is just going to be different for me because I haven't been in front of um, New York Giants fans before. So I heard it's different, and I'm I'm anxious anxiously waiting for it. Um, as as far as like the first responders coming and speaking to us, uh, it was great. You know, I, I think when 9/11 happened, I was maybe like in the second grade. So I have like a you kind of knew something was happening, but you didn't quite yeah, get it. Yeah, I didn't right? really understand it yeah. for real. I just knew something bad was going on. Mm-hmm. I knew my my mom actually works for the government, and I remember the government. Uh, they let all their employees off early. Um, and then my mom came to the Boys and Girls Club early and picked me up. Um, and she told me what, what all had happened and said how they let us. She, she pretty much explained the whole situation to me. Um, and so hearing them, giving their stories and how they were firsthand, like, experiencing everything, it was just it was just wild, you know. You just never think that something like that would happen in the United States. Um, so I'm definitely – I'm excited to go out here and perform for the fans. I know for this area, because I know it definitely hit this area uh, very hard, um, and it still affects this area each and every day. Uh, so I'm definitely, um, you know, I just want to bring some positivity on that day. Well, we can't wait to see you guys out there and do it. James, thanks for the time, man. Best luck against the Broncos. Thank you for having me. That's Giants cornerback James Bradbury. Limited tickets are still available for Giants home games. Go to Giants.com slash single game tickets to secure your seat. The 2021 season is underway, but there's still time to secure your Giants season tickets and root on the Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now by becoming a season ticket member. Call 888-NYG-1925. Now let's turn our attention to the Denver Broncos. Lance Meadow had a chance to talk to Denver Post Broncos beat reporter Ryan O'Halloran. Week one has finally arrived and the Giants kick off the season against the Broncos at MetLife Stadium. To get more into their first opponent, we are now joined by Ryan O'Halloran, who covers the Broncos for the Denver Post. Ryan, you got Lance Meadow here. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How are things on your end? Hey, Lance. Good to join you. It's a cloudless sunny day here in Colorado, but looking forward to Giants and Broncos on Sunday. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it. Ryan, I want to start with the quarterback position. The Broncos elected to go with Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke. How much was the mindset, hey, Teddy's a polished veteran. He'll take care of the football. He'll make good decisions, and he'll be the perfect complement to what they have on defense. How much was that the rationale and the thinking as to why they went in that direction? 
I think 100%, especially when camp started. You know, you look at the, the Broncos' schedule, and hey, let's face it, this was a 5-11 team that couldn't score any points, but their first three opponents won a total of nine games last year with the Giants, Jags, and Jets. And I think Vic Fangio, as the head coach and defensive play caller, is saying, hey, they'll be able to stop teams. We just need a quarterback who won't turn it over. And that's what, probably what he was saying in his mind. And I think the competition was a lot closer than they thought. You know, Drew Locke had a good camp and two good preseason games, but I think going with Teddy, who is probably more apt to avoid a train wreck is the reason they went with him. Now, speaking of protecting the football, Denver had the worst turnover differential, Ryan, in the NFL last season, minus 16. How much, just simply by default, does Teddy Bridgewater's presence, you think, help them improve in that department? Like the Teddy of a couple of years ago greatly helps it, but he had also he had his own interception problems last year in Carolina, so he's got to clean that up. You know, this team was a perfect storm of futility and the take-away giveaway. They couldn't produce anything, they gave it away too much. And I think that was that's something that they have emphasized. You know, here's the other thing about getting takeaways is you got to get a lead once in a while, and if you're playing sure. behind... Teams are going to run it, and then your pass rush is negated, your secondary is negated. So I think the, the plan for Broncos' success is try and get a lead and lead on a defense that could be and should be pretty good. One of the best friends of any quarterback, whether they're a veteran or a rookie, is a strong run game. And the Broncos have two options. They got Melvin Gordon, who carries over from last season, and then they moved up in the second round to get Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Ryan, there seems to be a lot of buzz, a lot of hype surrounding what Javante Williams could provide for this offense. How do you see the carries breaking down, at least in week one against the New York Giants, as well as the usage of both backs? Yeah, that's going to be one of the intriguing subplots from a Broncos standpoint. And, and just to touch on Javante Williams is, you know, going into camp, there's a media buzz and because we got to have something to talk and write about. But <laughs> this, this buzz was fueled by his teammates, by Pat Shermer running the offense, by Vic Fangio saying the other day, we trust him in all situations, and by him doing it in the preseason game. So, you know, I think initially just that the gas is Melvin Gordon may get the ceremonial start, and they may have a pretty equal division of labor because Williams can play on third down, but I think by midway through the season, you're going to see Williams taking over that spot and then ultimately lead the team in rushing. Now, Williams is a new face. You brought up Pat Shermer. I'm curious your perspective. I think the biggest storyline that I always focused on with if Drew Locke was the quarterback this year, well, finally he's got the same coordinator in consecutive years for the first time in forever, given what he had to go through at Missouri. How much do you think it benefits the Broncos that Teddy's got familiarity with Pat Shermer from their Minnesota days? You got the wide receiver core relatively healthy. Is that an advantage going into this season, or do you not think that makes much of a difference? Here's why last year, you know, the Giants fans can relate to this. Jason Garrett, new corner, no offseason, no preseason. Same thing with the Broncos with Pat Shermer and Drew Locke. You know, there is some carryover. Teddy Bridgewater said some of the terminology from Minnesota back in 2017 does carry over. So receivers being second year in the system, offensive line second year in the system. You know, Garrett Bowles, their left tackle, his first four years, he had four different playbooks. As he said, he goes, I got the week one. We're still trying to master it. And they were able to do that this offseason with Pat's offense. So it can only help. We're talking with Ryan O'Halloran, who covers the Broncos for the Denver Post as we're getting it set for the Broncos and the Giants week one at MetLife Stadium. I want to turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball. And Von Miller missed all of last season with an ankle injury, Ryan. This is his 11th year in the NFL. I know he got a few snaps of the preseason. 
what can we expect out of him, given he hasn't played since 2019? Yeah, I mean, it could be a little bit of a transition, but uh, but I think the preseason game against the Rams, he played around 20 snaps. I think that was good to get the rust knocked off. He, I thought he looked sharp, and you know, this is last year of his contract. I think it's important to Vaughn to be a lifelong Bronco. He's going to be in the ring of fame no matter what, but to have a be a one-team guy. He's got to play well this year for the new GM, George Payton, to say, hey, we want you back to finish your career. So, you know, for Vaughn, the big thing is Bradley Chubb on the outside. Bradley Chubb will be going against the left tackle. He's nursing an ankle injury. They have played together four times in the last two years because of their injuries. So, you know, if Chubb is healthy and effective, he'll draw attention. That should free Miller up to do some things one-on-ones. I'm glad you brought up Bradley Chubb. He's coming off of his own ankle issue, and now there were some off-the-field issues in terms of traffic violations. How much at all do you think that may play a role in terms of his usage or maybe even a distraction entering this Week 1 matchup? I think the ankle is a bigger issue. Uh, I mean, he tweaked it in practice a couple weeks ago, still playing the Rams preseason game, which has obviously opened the question and second-guessing. You know, you know, he did not practice on Wednesday. You know, as we record this, he's you know probably going to be a listed as questionable coming up on uh, for the game but if, if you can give them 25 30 snaps you know some passing situations you know, they'll be a lot better but you know Malik Reed led this team in snap uh, led this team in sacks last year so he's obviously an effective guy and then Jonathan Cooper the seventh round rookie he had a great preseason so if Chubb is out or limited those two guys are certainly capable when it comes to the Broncos obviously a lot of talk about Von Miller and Bradley Chubb given the firepower that they have to get after the quarterback but I think the bigger storyline Ryan is the secondary because the cornerback position has completely changed based on who they threw out there last season. You look at now Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and then of course they drafted Patrick Sertan. How much better is this Broncos secondary as a result of that type of weaponry that they have specifically at the cornerback position this year. Yeah, I mean, George Payton came in, you know, the first part of addressing the problem is you got to acknowledge it. He knew the cornerback spot needed to be overhauled. You know, Darby was three years, 30 million. Fuller fell in their lap. He was a bonus. He got cut, signed a one-year deal because he played for Big Fangio in Chicago. And then, hey, let's face it, you know, we can second-guess the ninth pick all day long. They passed on Justin Fields, took Sertan. What it does is get Big Fangio options in his nickel and dime packages. Last year, Dime had to play a safety over the slot receiver because he ran out of corners so that would be Sertan's role I think initially so you know this if they get a lead get a pass rush they feel this is a group who can produce takeaways I'm glad you brought up Patrick Sertan's usage because I was reading reports out of Denver and what Vic Fangio had to say Ryan it seems as if they're essentially preparing him to play three different positions entering week one which is rare I'm sure in terms of what they want to put on the plate of a rookie from the Giants' offensive perspective, how much do you think they should prepare to really see him move around in this matchup on Sunday? Yeah, if I'm the Giants, it's, it's about what you use. You know, if they're going too tight on a lot, you're not going to see a lot of pass or tan on the field. If they're going three wide and lining up a tight end outside, then you may see him as a dime defender. So, you know, if the Giants are really concerned about what he can do, then you keep him off the field. And it goes back to my mantra, this team will you know, be you know, this defense will be great if they have a lead. If they have a lead, teams got to pass it. There's more pads for tan on the field. And to go with, you know, one of the, top, the game's top safety duos in Simmons and Craig Jackson. So you just talked about the dynamics of the team, and that brings me to a big-picture perspective, Ryan. There obviously, I'm sure, is a lot of excitement surrounding this Denver defense because of all the weapons they have and a new quarterback at Teddy Bridgewater. If there's one major concern, though, about this Broncos team, at least heading into week one, what would that be in your mind? 
Well, per position in pro sports is their biggest concern is can you get functional quarterback play? This, you know, Teddy's, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be their fifth different week one starter in as many years. Can he bring some stability? Can he stay healthy? Can he you know, be effective and productive and manage the game and let, let the run game do their deal? Play action down so to Judy and Sutton. That's the biggest question. And that's why, that's why you have you know, a 7-10 projection or an 8-9 projection because there's just such an unknown about the quarterback. Ryan, before I let you go, there's a few connections between the Giants and the Broncos, given the fact that Pat Shermer was the head coach right before Joe Judge took over. There are a number of guys on this Giants roster that did play for him. I don't know if you had an opportunity to chat with Pat Shermer yet as he prepares for this game. Not so much interested in terms of his mindset going up against his former team, but how much do you think his maybe inner knowledge of some of the Giants personnel does give perhaps the Broncos a bit of a leg up as they look to solve this Patrick Graham-led Giants defense this season? Yeah, that's something Vic Fangio downplayed. You know, as Pat Schirmer said, he goes, there are a lot of guys on that defense that weren't there when he was there just two years ago. But I think behind closed doors, he can mention some things about Daniel Jones. And, you know, he should. And as he said about Saquon Barkley, he said, cool, we ran the tires off on his rookie year. It's pretty much accurate. So he has great respect for Barkley and you know, a couple of those guys on defense. But I think the the, the Intel will be totally limited to maybe Daniel Jones and probably not a lot else. Well, it should be a good one. Giants-Broncos Sunday at MetLife Stadium as they square off to kick off week one in the National Football League for both teams. He is Ryan O'Halloran, who covers the Broncos for the Denver Post. Ryan, can't thank you enough. Greatly appreciate the time and the inside, and enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks so much. All right, take care, Lance. Thanks. That's Ryan O'Halloran with Lance Meadow. Don't forget to take in all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on the Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite rep now by calling 888-NYG-1925. And when you do that, make sure you select option four. If you do that, you can find out about the special package that's available for the September 26th game to watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey. It includes Eli Manning bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more, of course, in your very own suite. So again, it's 888-NYG-1925. And for the Eli Manning package, make sure you select option four. All right, now let's head over to the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge. Bob Papa had a chance to talk to him. I'm sure your juices are flying and you just can't wait to get out there. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of excitement and a lot of adrenaline popping with all the players and coaches. You know, we got to come out there and just make sure we control our emotions. And obviously it's going to be a, a heated atmosphere, which is what we're looking forward to, which what you're playing, you work for, for that kind of reward. But we got to go out there early and just execute our jobs, our techniques, and make sure we get off with good fundamentally sound football. As you get ready to play this first game, do you have a sense as a staff of what your team's DNA is yet? Or is that something that will develop as you get through these first couple weeks? Well, a little bit of both. It's definitely something that's going to develop throughout the entire season, but you want to really get through September to truly find out who you are. And that's who you are schematically, not so much what you install, but from what you've installed, what you've got to stick with and build on, and things you have to adjust and change. I think in terms of the DNA, we found a lot a lot about you know, our foundational guys, some of the returning vets, some of the captains uh, who have been with us for a year, been with us through training camp. Some of the new guys we've added, we found out a lot about them through how they committed to the process of training camp as well. But we found out a lot about their work ethic, their resiliency. You know, the competitive practices in Cleveland and New England, to me, were really a great opportunity to really see the character of the team. And when I say that, it was really more the response to what happened in those practices. And we went to Cleveland and had a solid first day, but we didn't finish strong the way we wanted to. And without finishing strong, 
made an emphasis to the team to come out the next day and start fast and make sure we held it consistently for the duration of practice. We saw that from our guys. They came out with a sharp attitude, very competitive, and you know did some really good things in that practice. And I'd say New England, the reality is went up there and we weren't ready to play the first day, and it showed on the field. You know, we went out there and we had a lot of things we had to clean up. We talked as a team that night. They understood the emphasis of how we have to play, of who we represent and what it has to be. And we came out the next day with a completely different attitude. And we can't wait We can't wait to go ahead and get in that mode. We have to understand we're already on day two per se for all of us. So we got to get going. But you find out a lot about the resiliency of the team and how they stand together. Let's talk a little bit about the Broncos. Defensively, their front seven, the guys coming off the edge, lost in the fact of all this is that they drafted Sertan and between the corner and the two safeties, 54 career interceptions. So this is a pretty balanced defense that you're dealing with today, isn't it? Well, first off, it's probably, you know, amongst the best coach defenses in the world. All right. Fangio and Ed, they do a terrific job, you know, organizing the front and the back end, tying them really together. You know, they're very aggressive in everything they do. They're very aggressive. They're an aggressive front who's going to come off the edge with really great speed and power to compress your pocket and get to your quarterback, get them off the spot. And then what they do is they put you in a position if you're not sound and poised, they force you into throws where the defensive backs are really sitting back there waiting to pounce on it. And they're going to take very aggressive strikes to try and steal a play. They're not back there simply to make sure they tackle the ball in front of them. These guys are really sitting back there looking to steal a play. So we've got to make good decisions. We've got to protect the quarterback. We've got to be a balanced offense. And we've got to go out there and execute. Other side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater, veteran presence. Pat Shermer, their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, is familiar with him from their time together in Minnesota. Run game that they have, they got two really good backs that they can hit you with, and then they've got the speed guys on the outside. When you look at them, what are some of the big danger points from them? Well, first off, I think Pat does as good a job as anybody in the league, if not better, of just using what he has and putting plays together and creating explosive plays. He really does a great job of understanding systematically what you do and how he can attack it. And I think Pat does a great job of that, and he's got a lot of weapons out there to really work with. You know, Teddy's a veteran presence in there. You know, he should give him a lot of dependability and consistency in terms of decision-making. You know, I know it's going to help facilitate Pat's offense, keep it moving, but when you look at the weapons around it, you know, you talk about the receivers on the perimeter, but really with Pat's offense, it starts the run game up front, and he really uses the run game with both those guys to get it going and get downhill, whether it's the zone runs or the gap trap schemes that he's going to have by game plan, but he uses the run game to set the play-action passes, and that's where the shots come off. Now, once he has you playing a little bit on your heels and not knowing if it's run or play action, then he can drop on back with a little more comfort and hit those guys in, in the slot. And a lot of times it's Judy, Hamler for some gadgets and shots down the field. But you look at a guy like Judy with the in cuts and coming off some of the sail routes for the late breaks off the go on the outside, this guy makes a lot of catches. He's a big-time presence. And then having big receivers like Sutton and Patrick, it gives him that presence on the outside to go up there and make tough, contested catches. So, Look, they're a challenge at all fronts. And I haven't even touched on tight ends yet with Fant and that crew. I mean, they're a challenge at all fronts. So there's a ton of weapons out there. I know Pat's going to put in a lot of positions. we got to play very sound. And we got to go ahead and just keep playing the next play every time. Coach, final question. Obviously, an emotional weekend this weekend with it being the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Saluting the first responders on game day. Uh, It's an emotional time for this community, for our nation. Your thoughts on... 20 years later, and what 9-11 means to you? You know, we had the opportunity to have some of the first responders who were in the towers that day come talk to our team. And uh, I think they said it best was talking about, you know, there was the action and the reaction. And the action was obviously us being attacked. Uh, The reaction of the country coming together. And for a period of time, you know, everybody kind of forgot about everything on the outside, politics and, you know, everything like that. And everyone just was supportive of each other. And to me, you think about how that was 20 years ago, and that really was a special feeling, special time. Everyone, you know, standing together, 
for United Cause. Um, that's the thing that really lasts with me in terms of thinking about 9-11. I think this, sta- this weekend being in the stadium, you know, with a crowd where you look around and you realize that really everybody in there lost somebody. You know, everyone's connected to someone. It's a neighbor, it's a cousin, it's a brother, it's somebody. Everybody lost somebody. So to be able to go out there and there's going to be a lot of emotion, we got to make sure we represent that crowd with the same kind of reaction that they had 20 years ago of coming together, you know, and fighting through a tough time. And we've got to show that for 60 minutes on the field for the people who pay for tickets. Coach, best of luck this season. Thank you. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. Don't forget the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. We thank head coach Joe Judge. We thank Ryan O'Halloran. And, of course, we thank Giants cornerback James Bradbury. I'm John Schmelk. Enjoy the game on Sunday, Giants and Broncos. In the meantime, continue to check out all the content on the Giants Podcast Network. The Giants Huddle Podcast, which you're listening to right now, also features the all-in NYG podcast celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Giants Super Bowl 46 championship. New episodes land every Wednesday. Again, it's on the Giants Huddle Podcast feed. Big Blue Kickoff Live is every weekday afternoon at 1230 on the Giants app and on Giants.com. Make sure you check that out. And, of course, don't forget the Giants Media Pass podcast, which features interviews with media entities and, of course, everything from the podium from Giants players, head coach Joe Judge, and the Giants assistant coaches and coordinators. I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle Podcast.